Hello, and welcome to the Power Your Advice podcast. The Power Your Advice podcast is designed to bring financial advisors new ideas, why those ideas should be considered, and how to implement them into your business. This podcast is brought to you by Advisorpedia, the best place for advisors to grow their minds and businesses. And now, please join your host, Doug Heikinen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Advisors are always looking for new technologies to improve the relationships they have with their clients. In a technology-driven world, this isn't a nice to have anymore, but it's becoming a must. Clients are expecting it. To talk more about this, we're joined by Helen Yang. Helen is the CEO and founder of Andy's Wealth Technologies. We met Helen at a recent T3 conference where she had a very busy booth talking to advisors about her company and the new way they help advisors deliver wealth management. Welcome, Helen. Thank you so much, Doug. We're delighted to be here. The industry buzzword right now seems to be personalization. How has this become so important so quickly? This is a great observation, Doug. We have been having this race to zero in financial services for quite a while. uh, As you have seen, trading costs has been driven to zero. Asset management fees are almost next to zero. And in contrast, the 1% advisory fee has become more attractive than ever. But how do you justify charging tens of thousands of dollars a year for pretty much a, a cookie cutter service? Forward-thinking financial advisors has been, have, have been talking about fee compression for a while. Fidelity, for example, have been talking about delivering personalized services at scale for at least four years. Now, more and more people have come to see it, and everyone talks about personalization and differentiation. Personalization means different things to different people. Remembering people's birthdays and their pets' names just doesn't count, because those are the things that friends do for each other for free, and you cannot really charge for that. Some advisors have been working on expanding their services, tax planning, estate planning, which is all good, but we still need to strengthen the core. What we need to do is to examine each step in the process from the very first step, which is often the risk tolerance assessments, and throughout the workflows to make sure that each interaction is meaningful, relevant, and truly personalized. Risk tolerance is not only important to advisors, but investors are learning more about this as they chart their new path to financial freedom. But there's also big gaps in these tools. How do you view this puzzle? There were indeed big gaps in risk tolerance tools. When I started looking at this five years ago, I noticed that all the tools out there shared a common problem, which is a disconnect between the investor's choice and the portfolio decision. The traditional risk questionnaires, they're easy to understand, but they lack precision. For example, how do you know this is a a 60-40 portfolio, not a 70-30 or a 50-50? More importantly, many of the questionnaires do not tell clients Um, that they can lose money, which causes a problem further down the road. Some tools ask investors to choose an upside-downside trade-off, which is good, but the trade-offs presented to the investors are often artificial ones, not the real ones, in the sense that they do not reflect the actual models used by the advisors. If the end goal is to assign a model portfolio to a client, why don't we show the upsides and downsides of the advisor's actual models, and ask the client to pick a trade-off that they feel most comfortable with. This way, the client's choice will be mapped directly to one of the the advisor's models. 
this is approach we take. It is direct, transparent, and defensible. But now let's see how can we make it personalized. Say if an advisor has a regular model set and an ESG model set, if a client cares about ESG, their risk tolerance assessment needs to be powered by the ESG model set. So when they make a decision there, it will be mapped directly to one of the ESG models. Now it is personalized. What we can also do is to infuse it with a little bit of a behavioral finance. For example, we can ask a few questions to help us determine if someone is a passive investor, a trend follower, or a contrarian, because trend followers tend to need a lot of handholding. Behavioral finance is becoming much more a part of how advisors work with investors. How does this method enhance the overall client experience? So uh, people talk a lot about behavioral finance, and we as an industry are still experimenting with it. From what I can see, there are three ways we can leverage behavioral finance. First of all, we can use it to tailor our client communications to make it more relevant for each client. With the recent market movement, how many companies have sent out emails to clients asking them not to panic? I suppose there will be quite a few companies did that. And it would make sense to send it to trend followers, but they will panic anyways, and they will need a lot more than a generic email. Passive investors do not need that. In fact, it may be even counterproductive. They will be like, wait a second, am I supposed to panic? Am I missing something out? Like, you know, that I'm not panicking. Secondly, advisors can help clients better understand their behavioral biases and emotions. For example, many of us, including myself, have this behavioral bias called loss aversion. It says that the pain of losing is twice as strong as the pleasure of gaining. This is something we can all relate to. When the market drops 30%, the kind of fear and panic is extremely strong. But when the market gains 30%, everybody is happy, but the, the level, the strength of the emotion is no nearly as, as strong. So having this kind of awareness can help clients keep their emotions in perspective. It is also important to point out that many behavioral biases exist for a reason so that we don't make people feel bad knowing that they have it. Take loss aversion, for example. If you think about it, this kind of, this kind of instinct actually helped us survive when we were animals living in the wild before the civilization. In the wild, if there's a shortage of food, the consequence was quite severe. You needed to panic to, to do whatever you can to kind of try to find food. But then on the other hand, when there is a overabundance of food, beyond a certain point, it doesn't really make a lot of difference. This is kind of like how we are naturally drawn to sugar and fats. This instinct helped survive in the past, but it no longer makes sense today, at least for most people in the United States. So our work in behavioral finance has been focusing on these two things. Some people wanted to take it to the next level, trying to harness behavioral biases to benefit investors. Dr. Daniel Crosby is a big proponent of that, and he has done some very impressive work in this area. Research after research shows the value of behavioral coaching, but research also suggests that nobody wanted to be coached. So the right way to do it is to infuse it throughout the workflows, sort of like a drizzle in the spring. It brings everything to life without having to make a fuss about it. Now that we've talked personalization, the right recipe for risk tolerance and behavioral finance, is a combination of these three add up to be the next level of service or the ultimate experience? Yes, 
Now we can chain them together into personalized workflows. The first workflow is client onboarding. We can have a streamlined workflow from risk tolerance all the way to the investment policy statement, the IPS, with each step being personalized and embedded with behavioral finance. We talked about how to do it for risk tolerance assessments. We can do the same thing for the IPS. It is a document, so you can talk about pretty much anything you want. For example, you can talk about the emotional roller coaster, so the clients know that the feelings of exuberance and fear are normal. For personalization, the IPS can pull in any data element for any data elements for a specific clients and dynamically generate any chart you want. So it takes some engineering effort, but it is not rocket science. The second flow is how to have that conversation with clients during market turmoil. This is harder. Yes, we can talk about loss aversion, the recency bias, et cetera, but talking about behavior in general terms is just not enough. People can get the same knowledge from a book for $20. So advisors need to make it relevant for each client and back it up with real insights in investments. Right now, the standard language is to talk about 30-year averages. It may not be wrong, but it is far from enough. General knowledge like this does not deserve 1% fee. To address this problem, we have invented this thing called uh, deep analytics to help advisors deliver the kind of insights that clients cannot get from CNBC and Yahoo Finance to support the conversation on emotions and behavior biases. For example, you can show how, how bad things are for the one month, validating their feelings and make them feel understood. Then you can show the three year that the risk and return are still within the parameters of the risk tolerance test. And then you can show them the 10 year that they are still on track from a planning perspective. Now it is a much more robust conversation and advisors can connect clients at a much deeper level. This is the kind of experience that we are envisioning. And I hope this will become the standard best practice in the next five to 10 years. Can advisors really deliver this level of personalization? The answer is yes. Personalization does not mean manual work. It doesn't mean ad hoc, and it doesn't mean pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Personalization needs to be consistent, systematic, and efficient. And the only way to do it is to have a technology platform to provide the structure and some automation. Um, there's definitely a learning curve, but once you learn it, it shouldn't take up more time. You will just be cruising at a higher level. Tell us about Andy's Wealth Technologies. What was the big idea and how has it evolved? We have been around for five years. It started with my own experience as a client of wealth management. During a market turmoil, if I ask what is the actual risk of my portfolio now, I would not get a straight answer. It wasn't a problem with my advisor per se. One day it dawned on me that it was actually a fintech problem, that advisors didn't have the right tools to answer a question like that. The root cause I found is that the current practice is built on top of the traditional financial theory. It assumes that the markets are efficient and investors are rational. As a result, it doesn't give financial advisors the right language to talk about market turmoil and investor emotions. If we wanted to fundamentally transform this practice, we needed a new theory. When I was at MIT, I, I was intrigued by a theory called the adaptive market theory. 
that reconciles behavioral finance with efficient markets. It says all of us have behavioral biases deeply rooted in our survival instincts and the wisdom of the crowd can turn into the madness of the mob overnight. It says that to the extent that the risk and return relationship exists, it's unlikely to be stable over time. This is a groundbreaking theory and I won't be surprised if it wins a Nobel Prize someday. But how do you apply it to wealth management? It's like you know the laws of physics and now you need to build a bike. It took a lot of thinking and rethinking, many iterations of designs and concepts and a tremendous amount of engineering work. In the end, we did it. We have figured out what truly personalized services should look like and we have built an integrated technology platform to enable it. How does an advisor work with you? We work very closely with our clients. They discovered us before the rest of the world did. And they have been on this journey with us and helped us in many ways. I am very grateful for their trust, support, and friendship. Our platform has a lot of depth and breadth. Our advisors typically start with the most commonly used workflow, which is a risk tolerance and onboarding flow. From there, we provide ongoing training and support so they can leverage more advanced features. We also provide talking points for advisors to make their client communications more standardized and consistent. We encourage clients to reach out to us anytime with questions and feedback. In fact, it's their feedback that made it the award-winning product that it is today. And if it's a bug, we usually have it fixed in a day or two. And small enhancements can typically be scheduled in a week or two. So it's very much a partnership. What's been the feedback you've gotten from advisors who are using the technology? The feedback we have got from the advisors has been overwhelmingly positive. Advisors often come to us looking for a risk tolerance assessment or an IPS generator, and they end up being impressed by the breadth and depth of our platform. They like how everything makes perfect sense and how transparent we are with our methodologies. They like how the workflows are streamlined and how the pieces are tied together. Um, they tell us that how it helps with their communication with clients because we use a lot of visualizations. It's easy to explain things to clients. They also say that it helps them to broaden their conversation with clients and build deeper relationships. We like to call it client experience technology. Some people comment that it is also advisor experience technology. So I'm not going to dispute that. As people often say, life is all about experiences. And we are honored to be a part of this experience. Helen, what's your background? Um, what's your path to getting here? I studied semiconductor in college. It's a subfield in electrical engineering. It taught me how to approach a complex problem, grasp its essence, and then break it down to solvable pieces. It also taught me what elegant solutions should look like. I got into FinTech in 1999. At the time, FinTech wasn't even a thing. So I was working for Thomson Reuters as an enterprise software architect. It was my second job out of grad school and I did it for six years. Later, I transitioned to the business side doing product management at Charles River Developments. Now it's part of State Street. Somewhere in the middle, I took two years off, did my CFA and my MBA at MIT, where I met Dr. Andrew Lowe, and I was fascinated by his adaptive market theory, which eventually inspired what we do at Andy's Wealth Technologies. 
I consider myself an intellectual first and foremost, someone who is attracted to ideas and interesting problems. My decisions are often driven by curiosity in the sense that if I find something interesting, I may pursue it, even if it may not make sense from a practical perspective. To me, nothing is more irresistible than an interesting problem. My journey in the past five years as an entrepreneur has been just that. I found an interesting problem. I took the time to think it through, solved it piece by piece, and then put the pieces back together into a cohesive framework. I am proud to say that we not only solved the problem, we solved it extremely elegantly. Yes, we have won many industry awards, but in my mind, the highest pursuit and ultimate reward is intellectual elegance in itself. Knowing that we have achieved it gives me a lot of satisfaction. Many people have helped us along the way, clients, integration partners, advisors, and many others in this, in this industry and beyond. I would like to take this opportunity to say thank you to all of you, including you, Doug. It has been a lot of fun because of you. Well, thank you very much. It's a great technology. And to learn more, you can go to andyswealth.com. Helen, thanks so much for being with us today. We really thank appreciate you so it. Thank you so much, Doug. Please follow us for all the latest updates on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all at Advisorpedia. For everybody at Advisorpedia, our producer, Jakey Beard, and the Power Your Advice podcast team, this is Doug Heikinen.